1: You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, where we dish out the chili recipes and get you ready for some Texas Tech football.
0: I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. It's a brisk 40 slash 39 degrees here at HQ North, where we're... uh, We're ready to get going and get ready for this Kansas game.
1: Yeah, we are. So before we get there, we're going to definitely have to talk about some weather-appropriate foods. There is another intro topic that's actually sports-related we'll we'll touch on. A player has declared he's going to sit out the rest of this season to get ready for the NFL draft after six weeks.
0: (laughs) Bold. Bold move.
1: We're going to touch on fantasy really quickly because I don't want to spend too much time there <laughs> for obvious reasons this week. <laughs> Spoiler. We've got, obviously, the football preview this week. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it because I'm, I'm have to tag his account. We are joined for the Kansas preview by the University of Kansas Director of Broadcasting, Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney.
0: Thank you so much, Mr. Haney, Dude, for so, coming so awesome. on. Uh, I haven't gotten to hear this yet. But I'm looking forward to to hearing him again. And whoops, uh, you know, I, as as great as Jeff Haxton is, it took a while to get used to Jeff, just because i had gotten so accustomed to hearing Haney make the calls here for, especially uh, basketball, but baseball too, because I know he was along for the first maybe two World Series trips.
1: So he was here for four years, t- 2012 to 2016.
0: Okay, so I think he was here for two. Mm-hmm. Those, those first two yeah. trips to the World Series. So, anyway, it, it, I'm, I'm interested to see what he has to say, and I, I haven't heard it yet. But
1: So, I, I'm not going to lie. Um, it took me a little while to get used to Brian on the call um, for, for basketball and, and for baseball. It's what he did for, for Texas Tech. It took me even longer to adjust to Jeff. Now, I love Haxton, especially on baseball. I love it. The, Both these guys were, have been great. The bang, guns up three ball probably took yeah. me the longest to get used to. Yeah. But I love it. I, lo- I like I it, it too. I love Haxton. Um, so he helps us break down the Jayhawks. We're obviously going to do some of our, our preview on it before we we turn it over to Jeff. I mean, Brian. Brian. Um, got a couple questions for you guys, and we'll just roll from there. We We got so much to get to. The, the preview with Brian is a full 30 minutes. He gave us a lot of his time this afternoon. Really grateful for that. Want to make sure we get to it. But first, Michael said it's cold. We had chili on Sunday uh, with my in-laws. It was edible, but it definitely left me wanting. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make chili this week, right? Because it's still cold. It's still rainy. It's still damp and dreary and all that kind of stuff. So, I haven't found a recipe that I would go back to yet. Although the one I did last night and then I ate tonight, probably as close as I'm going to get. I'm probably just going to write that down and just tweak it from there. Uh, if you're familiar with the pioneer woman,
0: Reed Drummond. She's, uh, she's she's part of our extended family. Basically. That's that's how that's how we think of Although
1: her. Although she's an Okie. No, yeah. she's fine. That's, that's good. A, that's okay. So her her chili recipe was a great start. I was going for more like a getting a bowl of chili. Her recipe was more like a a chili that you would put something on like you'd put it on top of frito's or on top of a, a hot
0: dog or something so it's not a ve- not a very saucy no chili no, more a, of a it's it pretty thick right hearty um I'm telling you should put that on you should have some sort of chili cheeseburger
1: I probably would but like but like i said th- this recipe was really good i I was more looking for a bowl of chili so i I found another recipe that had more of the the, the bowl of chili type of uh, ingredients. I ended up adding tomatoes and beef stock to it to kind of loosen it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Made a fantastic bowl of chili. Uh, Samantha, the wife, was apprehensive because it did have a little bit of heat. It had a quarter teaspoon of cayenne. And she's like, oh, it's spicy. I was like, it'll spread out. Oh, I can kick this up a notch real easy.
0: Right. Well, I was going to ask you, what is your you know you're 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 given a bowl of chili and then you have just any topping you can want anything you would cheese. add to it cheese and or sour cream cheese and or sour cream nothing else i mean a topping no jalapenos like jalapenos or onion well, or
1: onion and jalapenos i i i cooked those into the chili before I, I i prefer it that way there's onions in this soup that i cooked with the meat mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, I didn't do jalapenos because I knew that Samantha was going to be eating it, and she's not a spicy food person at all. So I left those peppers out. I did have some dried red pepper flakes to give more like the ah uh, there you the go peppers yeah. And again, it was a really small amount. Another opportunity to really kick it up a notch. Fantastic recipe. It also calls for to use masa to thicken it.
0: Oh, big fan of that's that. That's a nice trick. Big fan. That's the same thing for tamales.
1: And tortillas,
0: yeah. Oh man,
1: so you, you like you make a little slurry of it. It's a, it's like a quarter cup of masa to like a half cup of water, and it makes like a, a goo. You dump that in, you stir it. The only thing I I would I wish that was a little different with the masa. Enough masa I had to use to thicken up to my liking. It was a little light in color. Um, tasted fantastic.
0: Well, maybe there's some way you could tweak that next time. Maybe you could. I don't know. Maybe you could put that in your so notes good. and just, you know, add some. Some spicy ketchup to it. I'm just The kidding. other thing. <laughs> I don't think that would work well at all. I'm a staunch, like, no beans and chili type of guy.
1: Samantha is a big fan of the beans, and she's like, well, I want I want beans in the chili. So, like. You serve them on the side? No, I, I broke down. I, I put half of the recipe, of what it called for and in beans into the chili. So, it called for two cans of chili, or uh, beans. Uh, a can of red beans and a can of pinto. I put half a can of each. Okay. I would probably compromise. Yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably go a little lighter, and maybe just do kidney beans instead of the pinto. I'm not sure. It was good. I, I'm I'm not like I'm not a big bean person. It was fine. It's like putting potato in like a burrito. It's kind of <laughs> it's a just kind of there. It it's a texture change. Takes up some room. Yeah. So, anyways, you guys that are cooking chili, Michael and uh, the wife up here at HQ North made some.
0: Yeah, direct, directly behind me is some chili made with some leftover brisket that I had smoked over the summer. And she pulled that out of the freezer and thawed it. And we do, when I say we, she, she makes it, of course. But <laughs> uh, when she does the brisket chili, she does put black beans in it. Which, of course, I think we've talked about this before. I'm okay with, I'm not going to look down a bowl of chili because it has beans in it. It just wouldn't be... Texas chili which is fine with me so this is more of like a southwest type chili it's got big chunks of smoked brisket in it uh, beans onions tomatoes bell pepper and I'm sure a couple other things I'm leaving out and then we use this um we had this rub that I got and this from Salt Lick and it's just their basic there's no distance too far for the perfect trip
2: hi checking in for or the perfect table
3: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
0: Dry rub, it is so peppery. They have a lot of black pepper and possibly red pepper and maybe cayenne in that thing. Oh. And that was why we had... Sounds so good. Well, that was why we discovered this... Or... or my wife discovered how to reuse brisket leftovers because I made a brisket that was so hot, none of us could really comfortably eat it, so she figured out, well, I'm just gonna throw it into chili, and she hardly seasoned it at all because it was covered in that same heat, but the chili turned out so good that we still use that seasoning whenever she makes that chili we We add it to the nice. the chili itself, so we've got that on the crock pot behind us if uh if we need a snack. Here in a little bit, but although we'll I, probably be okay.
1: I, I did bring some Klimke's beef jerky tonight.
0: I know I'm really trying not to eat while I record. It, it's difficult because the bags are open. He also he also uh, came bearing a, a a big red. So it's
1: Texas. It's big red and, and Dr
0: Pepper. Big red and Klimke's jerky from Slayton, and we're talking Texas chili.
1: All right, let's talk about uh, some football news. If you haven't heard yet, not like it's super applicable to Texas Tech. I just think it's interesting in the the realm of college football. Excuse me. That's that dang Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Um, Nick Bosa from the Ohio State. I just like roll my eyes when I say the, but I I can't help it. I couldn't help it. Yeah. He has uh, played in a few games this season. He got injured pretty early on this season. It may have been against TCU announced very recently, whether it was today, which is Tuesday or this past weekend that he would forego the rest of his season and prepare for the NFL draft, which is not something you, you hear because it's usually like somebody that's getting ready for a bowl game that says, nah, I'm going to skip the bowl game and go ahead and start my, my NFL prep. This dude's prepping like
0: nine months in advance. He's, uh, well, what kind of, and, and I didn't know anything about this. Well, so he's projected. What kind like, of inju- injury did he have? Do you know? Ooh, I'd have to look it up, but he's projected like top five. Really? So there's a lot to,
1: to risk there in terms of um, if he's going to come back and play and risk it or uh, just go ahead and sit it out.
0: Well, that would just take – is he on scholarship? How does that work? Can they revoke Uh, your scholarship if you essentially quit early? I have no idea. Uh, Does it have anything to do with – could he claim that he quit because of his injury or he's not really quitting? He's still going to – Go to practices and and stuff, but not play? See, I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure how all that works, if he can still use the facilities or if he's going to just go ahead and uh, get on with the gym somewhere else. But, yeah, he announced some of those stories that are coming out nine hours ago, so about lunchtime on Tuesday, that he was done at Ohio State and be prepping for the NFL. So what is your take Michael on players leaving school early foregoing games left in an eligibility year, like a bowl game or like Nick post. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the rest of the year
0: off. This could be the draft. This could become, this is the first time I've heard of it happening this early. I kind of hope it doesn't become too much of a trend, but I, I mean, I, I support, we've talked about this. I support players that, I do wish they could make some money off their likeness at least and not have uh and you know, the transfer rules, I, I'm I'm pretty good with those because I I feel like they're they're kind of locked in somewhere and then if a coaching regime completely changes and they don't agree with their philosophy or they just it's just they're just not who they want to play for, then they're stuck there sometimes. So I like the giving the players a little bit more power and a little bit more leverage. I'm not so sure how I feel about this. I think a bowl game, I have no issue with that at all. Because one, that is really close to when you would truly start preparing for the combine anyway. And two, you know, especially if you're a 6'6 team about to go into a bowl game, you've made it this far in your career. And, you know, if you go to the Meineke Car Care Bowl and blow out your knee, then... That kind of ruins your draft chances, at least for that year. So I, I totally see that making sense. So In this he, case, it kind of makes sense a little bit just because he may be concerned with being re-injured, but I, I'm not so sure I am on, completely on board with this. So he was injured in the game against
1: TCU on September 15th, so that should have been week three. Yes. Uh, it says he had surgery to repair the injury. It was an injury of a core muscle. Oh, so
0: one of those muscle injuries that probably just nag forever. Yeah.
1: Also worth noting that currently he was the number one prospect on the NFL draft boards.
0: Just number one overall, mm-hmm. a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Younger it's brother, a talented Joey Bosa. guy. Yep. So, well, I think
1: it's <laughs> you throw all that in into the mix. I, I don't fault him when you put all that together. It also just feels. It feels like it just feels it just cheapens the college experience, right? A little bit because I I hesitate to fully get on board with the colleges at preparatory league for the NFL because that's only true for a very small percentage of players and I don't know how us to to treat it for like the tier 1 top 1% talent that right. really just uses the college game as a stepping stone because there is no rule to go from high school to the NFL. Although I don't think many players could make that transition. Um so yeah, I'm not like I'm not a big fan of it. Bowl games I can kind of understand. Oh yeah, I this totally kind of get s- that situation I can understand, but like it's a slippery slope in my mind where somebody could be like, you know what, I'm, I'm we're not we're not doing too hot this year. I'm gonna I'm done.
0: That's where I wonder if if that has any sort of implications with scholarships or anything. Uh not necessarily that it should, but if anyone else decided to quit quit after an injury to uh pursue a career in engineering uh i mean i i'm assuming that that would be frowned upon quite a bit to to like well you know i really need to focus on school and i'm going to change my major and from kinesiology to engineering and if they do that then they They'll probably revoke their scholarship or have a little bit more to say about it. But this guy, I, number one overall pick, that that changes your mind a lot, especially if you get some sort of injury. Uh, as a Spurs fan, I've seen how a quadriceps your,
1: your Spurs have been decimated. Quadriceps
0: injury can can uh, get the player that you thought was going to retire a spur over to Toronto, and then. Everyone else gets injured before the season starts. But I, I just know how crucial that is, but I'm, I'm not totally sold on it either.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I, I thought it was worth bringing up since it's kind of a big thing, big
0: deal with the number one overall. I had had one other thing too. I'm a little more disappointed that it's at the Ohio State University as opposed to the Boise State University or some place like that where... You've got this really standout kid who's somehow projected to go number one on a team that's probably going to just do okay. This guy is on a team that probably has a shot at making the the playoff still. I
1: would say so. I think they're second in the rankings right now.
0: Yeah, so I I mean that's that's kind of – it kind of makes me think twice why he wouldn't want to be a part of that unless he's really concerned about – his draft stock and and being injured. And I don't blame him for being concerned about injuries, but I I think I would see it more if he was playing at Nevada and then decided, you know what, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to hold out till the end of the year. You know, no, you're, you're playing at one of the, the best uh, traditional college powerhouses in the nation. And then you're just, nah, I don't really, I'm, I'm good. I'll just stop here in September. There's a lot to unpack there.
1: I don't think tonight's the night to get into that. Probably not. <laughs> if we didn't have a game this week, we would we would we would go on to because I I would say I'm probably in direct opposition to everything you just said.
0: Oh man. Okay.
1: Because really quickly, as as a as a As a big fish in a small pond, he's like if he was like the number one guy at Nevada, I think it would be the opposite that he should be more involved with the team because they built the team around him. Whereas at Ohio State, he's just a piece, right? He's a cog. It'd be much more devastating wheel. if he,
0: right? Yeah, I see. I see your point there.
1: Okay, but like I said, I don't really want to j- jump into that because we've got so much to get to. and I want to keep this to a respectable length. Um. Fantasy, Michael wiped the floor with me this week. He beat me by another another two hundred point victory. It was. I'm not sure it was how a this commanding.
0: It was a commanding victory because
1: Michael had seven players and I had eight. He was missing a
3: player.
0: Was that really? Yeah. How yeah. did I do that? That can't be
1: right. Quarterback, you had two running backs. You only had one receiver. That's what it was. You had one receiver.
0: Oh man, I've totally well, somehow no. I biffed so, that. You had two receivers instead
1: of three. But. Here's the thing. This week, I I went ahead and, and made some moves and without telling you. Obviously, because this is a, a uh, competitive advantage. There are only four Big Twelve teams in action this week. Believe me, I am aware. Well, I know. <laughs> I I think I was aware of this yesterday. Like <laughs> I had to make make
0: some roster moves. I made ten moves today. They were just,
2: I, I, are
1: just we are
0: scrambling to get to to fill out a team, even though there's only two of us. <laughs> we're scrambling well, to fill out a team with just thing. four teams playing.
1: I think this is the week that we also like, oh crap, everybody's out this week. Week yeah.
0: eight. Right. That week was eight. my this was my big week because uh my offense relies a lot on West Virginia. And they go. And they are on bye this week, along with five other teams.
1: Yeah. So it's just it's a, it's one, strange at the Big Twelve. Lined up all their bye weeks the way they did. Everybody took a bye week in on their six, seven or eight. Um, so after this week nobody will have a bye week the rest of the season. I kind of like it, but fantasy-wise, it made things a little challenging this week when there's only four teams playing. Definitely. So it's OU versus TCU, Texas Tech versus Kansas. It's going to be – points are going to come at a premium this week.
0: Yeah. The, I think this will be – I'll probably watch this fantasy matchup the most I've watched any of them because we're playing players we normally wouldn't play. Um, I mean, I've got Kansas's defense starting. Against
1: Tech, bold move, Cotton. Well,
0: because it was either them or uh, TCU's defense against the Sooners, which doesn't sound like that's going to go out very well. You're starting Jet Duffy at quarterback? I'm starting Jet Duffy at quarterback, which hopefully will play the whole game. I don't even know if that's going to happen. Now,
1: Uh, you starting Kansas' defense is is pretty good because it's something we talk about in, in the preview. They are number one in the nation in turnover margin. Right, I saw that. They're plus 13. I think they're they they forced 18 turnovers
0: this season. Well, and I thought, you know, Duffy's a little turnover prone. Yes, <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> so that could work into my favor and then uh of course, I think the other change I had to make this week or one of the other ones was I picked up Clayton Hatfield cuz my other kicker was uh the kid for Oklahoma State and of course, they're off this week. I've got Tejon Henry in at running back and I don't think he's going to get very many carries, but I I was out of options. Yeah, uh, so it was I, either him or you know I might have to pick up Felton, but I don't know how many carries he's going to get either. It's one of those
1: things you have to like decide. Okay, who's who's Tech going to play like as their number one back this weekend? Right, right. So I, I had to go back and I picked up uh, Trey Sermon again from Oklahoma. I dropped him a few weeks ago, and Puka Williams from Kansas. Gosh, it's such a great name. Uh, Daquan Bowman again for the return yards. Hopefully, I almost picked up high, but here's the thing. If we can force Kansas to punt a lot, you are you're screwed. <laughs> Why? Why you got a returner over there, DaQuan Bowman? Oh, then, oh, oh, if we can, yeah. Sorry. And then Antoine Wesley is assuming we can we can uh, complete a pass to the outside with Jet Duffy, CeeDee Lamb. Oh, I'm also starting Kyler Murray. So we'll, we'll yeah, see. yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> and the Texas Tech defense versus Kansas.
0: Yeah, we've got the we've got the opposing defenses. I, I also picked up Jalen Rager for TCU. He had a He's had some good catches here and there. Still got Gavante Turpin. He's been really uh, a pretty good player on fantasy, especially with those return yards. And Darius Anderson, and of course Marquise Hollywood Brown. So I've got uh, a lot of TCU and a lot of a little bit of everything in there. It, well- you kind of have to since we're. I only know four teams. we're 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 really we're really doing the best we can. This was this was fun. This was a fun lineup to put together. I had to drop Bowman because I had to put Will Greer on injured reserve, and I I hated dropping Bowman because I wanted to keep him because I know he'll be back and I'm sure he'll do great. But now Spencer's over there licking his chops to pick up Bowman when I'm not I, I'm expecting gonna, it. I'm going to go drop McLean Carter and go get Bowman right now. <laughs> You
1: would you would tell I saw that you still had Carter on your roster I'm not t- touching my phone <laughs> all right so football let's get to football we cool. are twenty two forty five in all right that's more of a mental note for me so I can make a a note in the in the show notes We're halfway through the season i I think we touched on this last week halfway through the season four and two set it pretty well to go eight and four seven and five would feel kind of like, like a disappointment but it's a definite possibility Set it pretty well. Going through the last six games. This was a question kind of posed last week, but I wanted to kind of expand on it a little bit and give some proof points, some data some data points to our, our discussion here. Um, Michael's phone just went off because he didn't put it on silent. Nope. Best win of the season. I, I think the question was last week whether whether it was OSU or TCU, I went ahead and threw in a third team for consideration. I've I've no- I noticed Houston.
0: that. Yeah, I noticed that. And someone else mentioned that today. Now, I forget who it was or where I saw it. Somewhere in the intertubes. inter-tubes. It was, oh, it was uh, my score app randomly alerted me of this Big 12 article where the author had graded all of the teams and they gave Tech a B. And they kind of dogged them for the OSU win. Doesn't look as big now, but that Houston win actually does. Yeah. So, let's talk about
1: this for a second. with the most recently updated um, S&P Plus rankings, we're going to go through the teams. Houston overall, number 28, with an 18th-ranked offense and a 60th-ranked defense. Oklahoma State overall, 25th-ranked. 14th-ranked offense, 59th-ranked defense. So, Houston and OSU are really close. Neck and neck. TCU, however... 46th overall, 94th ranked offense, 14th ranked defense, and for comparison's sake, Texas Tech. 35th overall, 11th offense, 95th defense.
0: 11th offense.
1: I didn't know that. And these are updated numbers. So doing this, I also found out the the leader in offense in college football right now, and it's... It's going to put a hamper in our do we want Bama jokes because it is none other than Alabama. They are leading the country in offense.
0: They are railroading people. They're they're scoring two touchdowns in the first two minutes of every game, or some some crazy stat. I don't I, actually. I don't think that's true, but I think they've done that in the Chua last. Chua Tagovailoa
1: couple. is only playing like half a game because they're up so big at halftime.
0: Well, and I think they're handing the ball off too. I mean yeah. they're just
1: they're porti- They're they're putting up between twenty eight and forty points in the first half.
0: Yeah, I, I keep seeing tweets about. People getting really excited of, to see Notre Dame lose by 14 touchdowns to Alabama <laughs> at some point in January. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's
1: one of those things where, like, okay, I, I, I didn't pay any attention to Alabama really. So, like, when it's like, yeah, we want Bama. No,
0: I, I don't think so. Not anymore. Yeah. We weren't asked that question this week, but I, Adam, in case you're listening, I, I don't think we want, I don't think we want Bama.
1: No. Okay. So, back to the question best win of the season. I'm, Actually, going to hang my hat on Houston at this point. What? Because Houston. They have the best record. Now, granted, they play in a lower conference. They are neck and neck, basically, with OSU and the advanced stats. The eye test, though, Oklahoma State looks like they are teetering on the cliff and they're about to fall on their face. They. They lost to West Virginia, understandable. Lost to Iowa State, that's becoming kind of understandable. But like Kansas State, they lost to Kansas State, and it was
0: ugly. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, was, that, your, that was, was your that was your phone, <laughs> your phone buzzed. At least it was
1: on vibrate, not. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Houston because they're five and one, and we're the one. We Texas Tech is the one on that schedule. On that the the lone blemish on their their record right now is Texas Tech, and you beat them by twenty one. Well, you beat them by fourteen. They scored a touchdown with like a minute to go. You really beat them by by 21. Also, Houston was the last team that you gave up meaningful points in the second half to. That's true. Well, that your defense gave up points to.
0: We we still were up two scores for pretty much the entire second half, but they did continue to score.
1: Houston scored 21 points in the second half, which is more About than half you would of what like.
0: they scored I, I forgot what the score of that game was it was
1: 63-49 yeah so they scored four touchdowns in the first half three touchdowns in the second half one of those was really late since then you've given up you've given up seven offensive points
0: that's not bad in the seven. second half
1: in the second yeah in the second half your defense has given up seven your defense has given up seven points to TCU
0: i still I th- I think we discussed it in the instant reaction. I still think OSU, I, th- I still think Oklahoma State's the biggest win. Just just from a mental block standpoint.
1: Sure, it was on the road. It was at their place. We haven't won in quite some time. And I think theirs kind of depends on how they perform the rest of the season. If they end up going like 5-7, and seven, you really want to claim, oh, we beat a 5-7 team, and that no. was the biggest win? No,
0: you don't. Yeah, <laughs> y- You really don't. Because at that time, they were undefeated and— People really thought they were going to be great, so I, I right then it felt great. It still feels pretty good, just because I'm, a, I'm not a big fan of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. But no, you're totally right that uh, corn dog does not look good. None of them, Mm-mm. none of them are doing very well. Uh, so to to go down to Kansas State, especially the way they did, that definitely knocks some of the glimmer off of it, but. You know, maybe in two weeks from now I'll have a different answer or, or, you know, a week from now I'll have a different answer. But for now it's still OSU. I, I hadn't even really looked at into Houston at all since a I, week or two after we played them. I hadn't
1: either until I was doing some research for this game against Kansas. I was like, oh, Houston's 5-1. and
0: one. I'll, have, I'll have to look into that some more and just kind of – I was like, I know they lost to I might to be us. able to talk myself about it a little bit. I mean, TCU, I, I'd still – just looking at that list – just because th- it doesn't mean as much to me. I've, I've got Houston third. I've got Oklahoma State, TCU, then Houston as far as best win, quote. Call it homerism or I'm trying to justify my pick. I think Houston could
1: beat both of those teams. And not like like one every 10. I think if they played Houston, or Oklahoma State and TCU back-to-back weeks, I think Houston wins both of those games.
0: You know what we should do? We should dig up Arizona's Arizona's S and P Plus rankings and see kind of where they are because my gosh, they embarrassed Arizona, and and they really were. I mean, they are a very good offensive team. Those receivers are just massive. So i I'll have to I'll have to get back with you right now. No. Because it's Houston and it was home. The other two were away.
1: Okay. So let's talk about this the game this weekend against Kansas. Looking at S P plus ratings, Kansas is a hundred and third overall, hundred and twelfth offense, and seventy eighth defense. So they have the worst defense except for us. We have a, a Texas Tech has a lower ranked defense. They have the lowest ranked offense we've seen. Since
0: Lamar, right? The, Since they're unranked, basically the, the defense, as you touched on earlier, we've uh, we've got to pay attention to that. I feel uh, you got to stop burping into the mic, dude. That's not me. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> doing that. I don't know what you're hearing. I'm hearing some gurglies over there, man. I don't think it's me. Well, not intentionally, but their their defense. I know this isn't a great measure, but in our fantasy league, they've scored the most points in the entire Big 12.
1: It's because of all their turnovers. That's right. But that doesn't mean that they're the best defense in the league.
0: Well, it sure doesn't hurt to get some more to get the ball coming your way. Of course it doesn't help when the offense can't score as as efficiently as you'd like, but I think that defense could match up kind of in their favor against uh, a Jet Duffy-led offense this weekend.
1: That That's what makes me nervous, I think Jet Duffy will be the starter, and I think he's got a propensity to turn the ball over. A team that has turned teams over a lot, they, they do have three defensive touchdowns. However, in the conversation you'll hear with Brian a little bit later, of the 15 turnovers gained, Kansas has only scored points off of three of those turnovers. Wow. Outside of the pick sixes.
0: Well, and that's just okay. But that's, and that's just points in general. It Mm -hmm. may, it might have just been a field goal.
1: Their offense has been so bad that even when they get a turnover, more times than not, unless they were like, if they return the interception or scoop and score, Mm -hmm. like a a fumble for a touchdown, more times than not, they're not going to do anything with it.
0: So. I'm not trying to preach doom and gloom or anything, but. But I just do <laughs> think their their defense is, is is definitely something to not just, oh, we'll just – our offense will just run right through them. I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case.
1: Well, I, I think their defensive stops have been turnovers. They right. are the
0: Oklahoma State
1: from a couple years ago, the Texas Tech from maybe last year. Last year, yeah. Where they are forcing everybody to turn. If they're not forcing turnovers, though, they're not doing anything. Right. So – uh, I don't want to get too much into that because I, I, we've got a good interview with Brian. Um, this is, I guess, another week where everybody's kind of trying to figure out who the starting quarterbacks are. We think Jet Duffy's going to start for Texas Tech. Brian seemed fairly confident that Peyton Bender is going to be starting for Kansas. Uh, we faced him at in Kansas in Lawrence last year. Wasn't super impressed that year. Obviously, he's allowed to get better, but... He's a he's a pocket passer. Um, they under former offensive coordinator Doug Meacham. I can say that because he was fired a week ago. Wow! Mid-season, like five weeks in.
0: Uh, this was people were talking about him eventually getting the HC job at Tech. I remember hearing that he's losing s- some luster now. He he couldn't get the, the
1: offense rolling. Well, that's that's it's a tough call to get the offense anything rolling in Kansas. But he was let go. Beatty will take over play calling. The thought is that Meacham was focused a little too more on the horizontal passing game where Beatty wants them to push the ball down field a whole lot more. I don't know about Bender's accuracy and ability to hit players on the deeper running routes. I think that's that's the point is to run Puka Williams into the ground and then throw it deep. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to pin your your, your your defensive game plan on just try to stop Puka Williams and you'll deal with a unproven
0: quarterback to pick you apart deep. Right. Well, he's I mean, Bender is a senior, but he has only completed 61% of his passes this year. He has uh, six touchdowns, just one interception, meaning that he does at least take care of the ball pretty well. Well, with a plus 13, their offense is taking
1: is taking care of the ball. Yeah, in terms of not turning it over. That's true. It's Texas Tech is plus two, for reference. Now they haven't turned over. They haven't turned teams over as well as Kansas has, but they've also turned the ball over a few more times in Kansas. I think they've thrown two interceptions in total, and they've got two or three fumbles. But they do a good job with with not turning the ball over. They're just not super efficient and finishing drives. Uh, as Brian will talk about a little bit later. I think that was one of the things that led to Meecham's firing is that they weren't they just weren't effective in and moving the ball and scoring with it. that's obviously the point of the offense, but
0: did they did he did he discuss red zone percentage or anything like that? I think so, but I you have to
1: if you're looking it up, you can go ahead and tell us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked it up. Okay. Um okay, so before we get to that audio, let's go ahead and and do the last little point. This game has a has a wonky line and that I've seen it two different places at Texas Tech minus 14 and a half. Mhm. And then all the way up to minus 20 and a half. 21 points is a lot to beat Kansas. E- even even West Virginia beat them by not 21 points. Right. They, they Kansas they, played them pretty darn close. They forced Will Greer to, fourth, to throw four interceptions. Yeah. Three of them were in the red zone. Again, I'm I'm taking a lot of these notes from the conversation I had with Brian earlier. Um. So give me Texas Tech minus seventeen. That's that's the difference. you're setting your own line. I'm gonna split the different Well, because it's it's a range. I
0: saw two different ones. I'm I'm trying to see what it is on my score app, and it's currently sitting at. Oh man, they don't have it on here.
1: However, yeah, they I do. really do like your matchup. Of the defense of the Texas Tech defense versus the Kansas offense, I think they've just been. I agree. I pretty agree with that because yeah. their offense is ranked 112th.
0: Yeah, I feel like our defense is going to be able to contain them pretty well. Uh, it sounds like even if if all they do is you know try to pass it on us, the quarterback's not going to be super accurate, and then that leaves them trying to just run it on us and. Tech's been pretty effective at slowing down the running game this year.
1: Brian also did mention that Kansas has been known to start slowly. I was like, well, hey, Texas Tech does too. (laughs) Yeah, we know that feeling. Um, It's not an 11 a.m. game, so I think, um, well, I don't know if that means anything. It it meant something last week because Texas Tech didn't start off as slowly as they usually do. Um, It is Kansas. It's not a game that you're going to get all that hyped about. It's not at 11, though. I think if you can start faster than they can if you can put them down by a couple of touchdowns it's going to be
0: going to be church early well uh, back to the the actual pick I, on the score app it it has texas tech minus 20 right now that's a lot that's a lot I, of points i would take kansas on that i i right now i i would take i, I don't i don't want to put it on tech to feel set. like they've got to win by three touchdowns yeah. for us to feel like it's a success or not but i don't i don't think I don't think they'll have to. I think they're going to eat up some clock with Duffy running the offense. That's just going to be a natural progression of it. There's going to be far fewer passes. Uh, Kansas is probably not going to pass it just a whole lot. I think the the game's going to go by pretty quickly, so it'll be pretty low scoring, which gets us over to the over-under at 76. That's too high. I'm taking the under on that, too.
1: So I'm going to agree with you in that. I think the game is going to slow down a little bit because of uh, who's running – the offense for Texas Tech. Right. Uh, that 21, that 20 point line feels fairly large because I do think it'll, it'll just be, it'll, it'll, it'll be closer because of there will be fewer possessions. Uh, and I just think that you're going to win comfortably. I just don't think it's going to be a three touchdown win.
0: Yeah. I mean, 31, know, 14, something like that. I could see that feels too close, but that, that is 17 points.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other thing is, not that history plays anything into this, but Kansas hasn't scored more than 19 points against you in like a decade. Not really. It was like 2009, 10, somewhere in that range they scored 34 points. It was They, it, it, they scored 34 points against you back-to-back years. Okay. But you beat them by like two or three t- touchdowns that year, those years. So when they have scored points – like, on their best offensive performances, they've only gotten to 34 points. This is not their best offense. Right. This is your probably your best defense in that time frame. They may get to 20 points. It's going to have to happen in the first half because I'm going to call another second-half shutout.
0: A second-half shutout. Calling it. Call my shot right we need, now. We need some sound effects to just pew, pew, seal pew. the deal on that one, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think we're due one. My gosh, we haven't had one in a whole... Like three weeks by then.
1: Yeah. And now we're going to turn it over and get to the Jayhawk preview with Brian Haney. All right, everybody, we are joined today by the University of Kansas Director of Broadcasting, voice of the Jayhawks. Texas Tech fans will be familiar with his name, Brian Haney. Brian, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
2: Hey, Spencer. Thanks a lot for having me, man. It's great to be on with you guys, and I'm certainly excited to be back in Lubbock this weekend. Get to be at Jones AT&T Stadium and see a lot of old friends. It's going to be a fun weekend.
1: Yeah, so that's that's something that I guess you provide a little bit of a unique perspective on, on this game since you have previously covered the Red Raiders. You were the voice of the men's basketball and baseball teams for four years or so here in town. Um, and then I, yeah, I guess you got your, your dream job. You're, you're calling back to Kansas. Can't fault you for that. Um. So there were, I guess, a couple of storylines that we've been all kind of following here. And I, I guess the biggest one has been about a week now uh, since Doug Meacham has been let go. Where, how do you think the the offense kind of shifts and adjusts uh, w- with his departure? And does the starting quarterback, who I guess is kind of in question who that might be, how does he play a role in, in, in how the offense will, will look on Saturday?
2: Well, it's a great question, Spencer, and honestly, you know, we don't know specifically how different the offense will be, but they're not going to try to reinvent the wheel in two weeks' time and put in a whole bunch of new stuff that they've not worked on before. I think, if anything, and listening to Coach Beatty last night on Hawk Talk, their plan is to implement more of what they've been working on since spring ball, but the Doug Meacham for whatever reason wasn't utilizing as much of on game day. And so the stuff that the the team's going to utilize and some of the playmakers they'll try to showcase, it's not, new. It's it's not Greek to them or anything. It's stuff they've been working on and guys they've been going to, but just a heavier emphasis of, of sticking with some of these plans that had not yet come to fruition in an actual game. So, in terms of personnel changes, I think the only thing of note is that Peyton Bender's going to be the starting quarterback. He did not start the West Virginia game, but he did begin the season atop the depth chart as QB1, and they've kind of been having some musical chairs there for different reasons than what Texas Tech has, and obviously with not nearly as much success as the shuffling quarterbacks at Cliff Kingsbury, but uh, they like what they have in him. You know, folks that are still Mike Leach fans in your listening audience would like to know that Peyton started his career at Wazoo and actually had a big performance in the Apple Cup game as a freshman three or four years ago. He then went to Itawamba Community College after leaving Washington State. And this is now his second season at Kansas. And when he's been on, it's clear he's got the best arm of anybody on this KU quarterback depth chart. He's not fleet of foot, though. He doesn't have a lot of escapability. And so in terms of extending the play when the pocket's collapsing, he's he's not the best at that. He's got to get it out quick and avoid taking sacks. He has been good in limiting turnovers this year, that's for sure. But he's also missed some throws that I know he'd love to have back. So the best way I can describe Peyton Bennett to you is he has the highest upside in terms of arm talent of anybody on this Kansas roster. And maybe with David Beatty calling the plays now, uh, they'll be able to take more chances downfield as opposed to a lot of the lateral stuff out on the edges that we saw only go for three or four yards here or there. Maybe they take more chances. I don't know. But I, I do think that there's a lot more to Peyton Bender that we've yet to see that hopefully we'll get to in the second half of the year because he's only got six games left. And this was at one time a, a much-hyped prospect coming out of high school that when Kansas got him coming out of community college, a lot of folks had really high hopes for him. And future is now for Peyton Bender in this Kansas offense because to call it like it is, the defense has played well enough to win all but one week this season. And obviously, Kansas sitting at two and four has not capitalized on some of those really good defensive efforts because the offense just hasn't been there. Best stat I can give you, Spencer, is that the you know, Jayhawks have been better than anybody in turnover margin in the FBS and in turnover numbers in terms of takeaways. And yet, of the 18 takeaways in six games, if you take out the three pick sixes where the defense themselves scored on the takeaway, They've got just 36 points off the other 15 turnovers. That's clearly not cashing in. And that was a big reason why they made the change that they did in relieving Doug Meacham of his duties. They want to capitalize on some of these big-time defensive plays. And if you get a short field, punch it in, man. Go get six. Uh, Not – go three and out and give the ball right back. So that's part of what went into the rationale, the thinking of that move, and hopefully it'll pay off for Kansas here and what they have left on the upcoming season.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned the, the turnover margin. I, 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 let's talk about that for a second. Kansas is currently plus 13. Um, I think Texas Tech is plus two. So the the emphasis there on the defense is, is turning people over, and they obviously had quite some success. I think the the casual Texas Tech fan it would feel pretty confident in this weekend's matchup. I think, I think those that are more uh, a little deeper looking into the stats and and the starting quarterback for, for Texas Tech, which would probably be Jet Duffy, uh, he's kind of shown uh, issues with, with ball security, which I think plays right into the one of the strengths, obviously, of the Kansas defense. So how, how is how is that defense um, one able to? to how are they managed to force so many turnovers, and then how is the offense also taking care of the ball well enough to to maintain that 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 turnover margin? That like we said, it was a plus thirteen.
2: Well, let's start with the second half of your question. Until the West Virginia game, the quarterbacks hadn't thrown a pick all year, and one of them ended up being a, a batted ball interception, and the other was just a misthrow, misread. For the first true pick, where the ball was thrown in the wrong spot, mm-hmm. and part of that is they just haven't taken as many chances; they've, they've been a little more conservative. But then again, I think there's been a, a lot better recognition uh, before they make a throw of what the defense is presenting, and and not as teams disguise blitzes or disguise the defensive fronts, falling victim to that as we saw. Stanley, Bender, and the like do a year ago for Kansas. I think you give some of the credit to the quarterbacks. You give some of the uh, explanation to being conservative a little bit in the throws, but that's pretty significant when you're playing game six and you get to throw an interception. And the only other quarterback mistake in terms of giveaways was way back in the opener versus Nichols on a play where uh, ultimately the ball comes out on what was – coming forward in a fumbling motion that was the only time a quarterback gave it away for Kansas this year so that's been a big part of the turnover margin that leads to the FBS in terms of what's the defense doing it's been great to finally see the defensive line work in concert with the secondary because we saw glimpses and flashes of, of both doing nice things the last couple of years but never a whole lot at the same time. And what I mean by that is, is pretty obvious football one on one. You get a great amount of pressure from your guys up front, and you're going to force the opposing quarterback to, to throw a, a wobbly pass or, or throw into double coverage because he's got to get loose he's about to take a sack. And we've seen Kansas feast on some quarterbacks in non-con play that just turned it over left and right, in Art Sitkowski, the freshman quarterback for Rutgers, and, and also when they were up at Central Michigan, which I'll point out to your listeners, was KU's first road win going back to 2009 at UTEP, about four or five hours southwest of you down there in El Paso. they would not won on the road since then, but they got in Tony Poljan's face all day long, heated him up rattled his cage, and he made a lot of mistakes. And in those two non-conference games against Poulton and Sitkowski, not only did they have six takeaways in game, 12 of them in total, but three went to the house for pick sixes. And so a lot of folks thought, well, you know, that was just a competition, and uh, they're not going to back that up in league play. But when you go on the road to Morgantown and you go up against a Heisman Trophy contender who – Prior to the Kansas-West Virginia game, Will Greer had thrown 65 straight passes in the red zone without an interception, and then he's picked off three times in the end zone or at the goal line. That was a pretty significant day for the Kansas defense, and it's not just two or three guys that are making the plays. Of their 11 interceptions as a defense, they've come from 10 different guys. So it's it's been pretty remarkable to see the pick party they've had and how many different guys have gotten in on it. And then, you know, if you're talking about personnel, to look forward for Texas Tech fans watching. Daniel Wise is a future pro. His brother Dietrich plays for the Patriots, uh, and he's probably going to be about a fourth-round pick like Dietrich was. He's a big defensive tackle. Joe Denine is amongst the nation's leaders in solo tackles and has been for the last two years. He was a second-team All-American a year ago, and some of that is opportunity because he's on the field a lot, but a lot of that is just being in the right place and and being a really tough, hard-nosed, gritty linebacker. Kind of cut from a similar cloth to Nick Reed, who was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year all those years ago with Mike Leach. You may have heard the story. Put the name Reed on the back of every tech player's uniform one day at practice because he wanted him to play like Nick Reed. It was a guy that didn't have great measurables or a fast, you know, 40 time or anything like that in terms of his God given ability, but was just tough, gritty, and seemingly always in the right spot to make the play. That's Joe Dineen 10 years later. And then in the secondary, uh, you know, Mike Lee's back. He'll be healthy this week. He missed the last game. He's a safety that you probably know about. And uh, they've got some guys, you know, of note that are still kind of maturing, like Corian Harris, a four-star signee. They picked Kansas over a lot of bigger the major conference schools, the highest-rated signee in KU history. He's been picked upon a little bit because we're talking about an 18-year-old kid. It's a freshman. But I think in time, he'll become a really good player. And he's certainly bolstered the athleticism. In that secondary for KU.
1: So you, you touched on some of this a little bit, especially on the defensive side. But tell tell the, the, the I guess the casual Tech fan uh, more so on the offensive side. Players that maybe we don't know about that we should, or that we definitely will after Saturday's game.
2: Well, the guy you got to get to know if you don't know him is the inspiration for the Puka Magic hashtag. I don't have kids yet myself, but I know Puka Magic is is something of uh, of great interest to those that have little boys and little girls. Uh, in, in terms of, I don't even know it's a TV show or something, but Puka Magic at Kansas is Puka Williams, the running back, a guy out of the New Orleans area that LSU wanted and really everybody wanted. He could play for anybody. He's been on some midseason freshman All-America lists and in one riders case he said he's the freshman of the year at the midseason so he, he's been phenomenal he did things in his first four starts that not even Gail sayers had done at kansas one of the all-time great running backs anywhere and uh prior to the west virginia game had had a 40 plus yard run in each of the first four games of his career which only one other guy had done that this season uh in, in terms of any player uh, freshman sophomore junior senior anywhere in america and something that nobody had ever done dating back to 1996 at the FBS level in the first four games of their freshman season. So he's explosive. He's a guy that you truly believe can score it every time he touches it. And, and Puka Magic, or the bazooka, which is what we call him because it's like he's firing out of a cannon or out of, out of, out of a you know, military arsenal because he just has such explosiveness to him. He's the guy that at any given time Kansas wants to get the ball to and just let him do his thing, which is make guys miss, run past you, dart around you, explosive versatility and and escapability in the open field. And I say versatility because he's explosive in terms of speed, but also for a guy that's only 5'10", 170 pounds, he packs a pretty powerful punch. He'll run through you. He'll put his head down maybe more than they'd like him to because they want to keep him healthy. But this kid, he's a total package, and and he's a fascinating story because, as it's been written, he's he's missing some of the toes on one of his feet from a lawn mowing accident as a kid. You'd think that would affect his balance and his change of direction. It hasn't. Uh, and and he's got the biggest hands and most reliable hands of anybody in the skill possession uh, positions, whether it's receivers, running backs, tight ends, whatever, his teammates will tell you, this is the best pass catcher on the team, and he's this little pint-sized running back. So I would look for Kansas to get him the ball in space. I would look for Kansas to, to try to feed it to him early and often because he's their best chance at keeping up with some of the dynamic playmaking capabilities of this texas tech offense and he's a marked man too i mean ever since his second game folks have been stacking the box with eight men to stop him and so kansas is going to have to get creative with how they get him the ball but number one is the guy you want to lock in on if you're showing up to jones on saturday afternoon he truly could play for anybody in this league and it's rare you say that with kansas you know in terms of uh, true freshman talent that could have gone anywhere but they found a way to get him to ku absolutely
1: i i i it's, just, it's unbelievable for, for, for someone to have that kind of success, I guess, so quickly in his career. He's averaging nearly eight yards a carry, so it's no doubt that, um, you know, Beatty and, and the offensive staff are trying to get the ball to, to Williams. I guess one more question about the football game this weekend, and then I've got a couple other questions for you, real quickly. But what would you say are some of the keys to the game?
2: Well, David Beatty says this every week, and we rarely are able to do it. And it sounds like it's a broken record, but it's so true. And and this is part of what went into the coaching change at OC. they got to start faster. You know, Kansas' defense, as I've noted, has played well enough to win five of their six games this year. But so often we see the Jayhawks playing from two or three scores back because the offense is stuck in neutral to start the game and eventually the other guys break through and and capitalize and and go up 14, 17, 21. And playing from behind against a high-powered offensive attack like Cliff Kingsbury's bunch is is not a good recipe for success. So the Jayhawks need to to march down the field and find a way to punch one in early, show that they're going to hang around, and if they could possibly play from out in front, as long of odds as that sounds, boy, that would serve them well in terms of staying in it longer. I don't think they have, you know, delusions of grandeur to go lead it wire to wire when you go into Lubbock and you're expecting a shootout, expecting a game in the high 30s or or maybe even worse. But I think if you want to be in it and have a chance down a score or two in the fourth quarter, which was the case for Kansas in Morgantown, down just 14, halfway through the fourth quarter. And if you watch the game, you know they fumbled a punt on the thirty eight yard line of West Virginia, they would have been knocking on the door of the red zone with a chance to possibly, you know, pull within one score had they not muffed the punt. I think that's what you hope for if you're a Kansas fan heading into Lubbock. Just play well enough to be within striking distance late and then hope you catch a couple of the breaks. But in order to do that, Spencer, they gotta start quicker and not be playing uphill all day because you spot of the opposition 14 points in the first five minutes. How many times have we seen that happen in the Kansas-Texas Tech series? KU's only won once, and ironically, it was down there in Lubbock in the Terry Allen era. They've had some close calls and, and put some scares into Tech, but it seems like more often than not, you know, they're, they're spotting Tech a lot of points early. And so I think this offense, with the new play, calling coming from the head coach and, and returning to the original starting quarterback, they need to catch some fire early, get some rhythm going, and then obviously you can't predict or count on turnovers. That's not something you can just chalk up, but it's been a great recipe for success and competitiveness for Kansas if they can find a way to win the turnover battle. As cliche as that sounds, you hear every coach say it. It is huge, it's the name of the game for this Kansas team and a real calling card in 2018 when you're talking about the club that leads the nation in turnover margin.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned starting faster on offense. I think that's something that Texas Tech fans are are familiar with the past few games, especially when you look at the the two losses on the season to Ole Miss and West Virginia. They had disastrous first quarters where they were down 20, 21 points. Um, And then Texas Tech is able to to win the the last three quarters, but they were down so far. It wasn't enough to come back, so it's it's something that Tech fans are, are familiar with. Now, you mentioned this, and I have to go back to it. I'm sorry. You said lead wire to wire, and I have to bring up that basketball game where Texas Tech went up to, to Lawrence up there, led, led the whole game, was able to come out a win. Do you think, or sorry, will Tech will Tech be able to win in Allen Fieldhouse again this season?
2: <laughs> um, nice segue, because <laughs> yeah, I was trying to say that yeah, I don't think Kansas football can lead wire-to-wire in Lubbock, and by that same token, I would be surprised if Tech basketball won two in a row in in Allen Fieldhouse. Last year, obviously, was a huge win and the first win ever for Texas Tech up in Allen Fieldhouse, and they certainly, under Chris Beard, are going to have a lot of opportunities to do that on a year-in, year-out basis. I don't see it happening this year, though, with Kansas being a a preseason number one or number two (laughs) team, depending on where you look. It's it's a front court that is as good as any you'll find. It's really just the opposite of what you saw from Kansas a year ago. They had one of the best backcourts and deepest backcourts in America, but they were so thin in the post. Now they lose Devontae Graham, Malik Newman, Sviatoslav Mikhailuk, but they add in a McDonald's on American Big, a David McCormick, a transfer former Tubby Smith player at Memphis, and Diedrich Lawson who had 36 double-doubles in two years at Memphis. He could be the big 12 player of the year after starting as the big 12 preseason newcomer of the year. And suddenly you go five deep in the post of big time, four or five star talents. So I think it will be tough for tech to repeat back to back wins in Allen Fieldhouse this year, but I'm a big believer in what Chris Beard is building. And obviously I cheer for the Red Raiders when they're not playing Kansas every game, because of my love for that program and the time I spent calling their games, still have a lot of friends closely affiliated with that program and, Obviously, my second favorite venue to call games in uh, anywhere is United Supermarkets Arena. So, really excited to see what it looks like this year for Chris Beard's balls.
1: Yeah, absolutely. had a, a special season last year, obviously, for the team that went the first time to an Elite Eight. Um, so, I heard through uh, through one of the guys here at the Plains that you are a collector of sports memorabilia. Tell us your favorite piece that you've collected and a little bit of a story behind it.
2: I want to give you a real good story because it's pertinent. Uh, Tex Winter just passed away. Former longtime Phil Jackson assistant helped design the, uh, the famed offense that you saw. The, the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and, and all those great Bulls teams in the 1990s made famous the triangle offense. And you know, he's a guy that before that was known for being the head coach at K State in Manhattan and. When I was 9 or 10 years old, living in Topeka, Kansas, where I grew up, my mom was a nurse, and she took care of Tex Winters' best friend on his deathbed. And she always had a great bedside demeanor, and, and in the conversation she had with Tex's buddy, mentioned that she had a 9-year-old son who idolized Michael Jordan. Well, this friend of Coach Winters calls Tex and says, Hey, uh, we, we got this little sweet lady who's got a son who'd love to see a Bulls game. You think you could make something happen for him? So they pay to fly my mom, dad, and I up to see a game at Old Chicago Arena. Bulls Jazz. We got to sit on the second row with Tex Winter's wife. And after the game, he takes me back to the locker room. I couldn't go in the locker room. I was too young. But I wait outside, and he comes out after about 15 minutes, and he's got a signed media guide by every member of that 90-91 Bulls team. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Bill Cartwright, John Paxson, B.J. Armstrong, all these guys, they're all signing their each individual page in this media guide, and he hands it to me. And if you know your NBA basketball, you know that that was the first year of their dynasty, six titles in eight years. The only two they didn't win was when Jordan decided to play baseball for a couple of years. But it's maybe not my most valuable piece of memorabilia, although very valuable, certainly but a favorite because of the story that, that went behind it. And the graciousness and generosity the Tex winner showed us. And to keep in mind, he's a former Wildcat helping out a Jayhawk and uh, and helping out this family that had been kind to one of his good friends. So in this business, whether you're a broadcaster, a coach, a player, whatever, we always try to pay it forward. It's all about the relationships. And he showed me an unbelievable amount of generosity back then that really uh, made an impression on me to try and do the same for, for folks through whatever platform I've been given, and did that as much as I could when I was in Lubbock, and I do it now in Lawrence. And uh, as we celebrate the life of Tex winner this week, with uh, ceremonies later this week at Brandtch Coliseum there in Manhattan for the legendary coach, I, I love getting to tell that story because uh, just goes to show you what you know, being nice and, and doing something for folks you know can do and inspiring people even 30 years later to this day so that that's my favorite piece of memorabilia and a great story behind it about a really great man who just went home to be with the lord late last week
1: uh, that's a really great story one last question before i let you go i promise it's an easy one you, you don't know this but the 23 personal podcast is a food podcast first and foremost <laughs> uh okay no not really but you obviously having lived in lubbock for four years um are there any restaurants that you'll be seeking out to, to visit on your trip back this weekend?
2: It's <laughs> a great question, man. There's, there's so many great ones um, that, depending on the company and depending on the occasion, you know, I, I would definitely want to make sure I could hit out. Obviously, Triple J's has great atmosphere. We always take out of towners to with all the memorabilia on the walls, and I love the live music and the beer and the pizzas and all that. But I miss the Funky Door and, and wine on tap. Uh, there's a great Thai place that I used to hit up on 50th Street, Thai Thai. (laughs) And and I I miss that. Uh, It's kind of a hole in the wall. But man, double nickels great. uh Nick's i used to go to all the time met my longtime girlfriend at Nick's, so i got great memories there but uh you can't go wrong with Lubbock Eats, man if somebody once told me when i lived there they had the most restaurants per capita of any time Lubbock size in america and i would add they have some of the best restaurants per capita so i'll definitely be taking advantage of at least two of those places i mentioned when we're in town for about 36 hours later this week
1: absolutely well brian i appreciate your time this, this afternoon for for the the podcast um Obviously, travel safe and good luck this weekend.
2: Thanks so much, Spencer. Have a great day.
1: You too. All right. We want to thank Brian for joining us. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's at B Haney. It's B H A N N I. Some great things he does over there for the university of Kansas. There's some things we weren't able to talk about. Obviously he, um, he was here at Texas tech. He's a KU grad. Was able to get back and essentially get into his dream job before he's 40 doing great things for them he was he was there before he came out to Lubbock for another decade or so after he graduated there's one more thing I want to touch on I didn't have time to ask him but he's got a um a charity basketball event tournament called the rock chalk round ball classic I'm really interested to, to see about that but really really thankful he's able to join us he 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 threw out some great restaurants that he might be trying to get to in Lubbock If you see him, obviously say hi. Very complimentary of Lubbock, as you just heard. But now we get to your questions. Yes, question time. Thank you for sending him in, everybody. Red Raider Reset, man. I feel like I say his name just about every week. Expansion talk. Who do you want to come into the Big 12? We only need two more to actually make it to 12 teams. He throws out his two choices of SMU and Louisville. Michael?
0: Hard pass on... SMU Mustangs. (laughs) Uh, I don't think we need another Texas team in the Big 12. Uh, I really don't think we need two more teams in the Big 12. It doesn't really help us that much. Now that we have the quote-unquote championship game, that that helps rule out any sort of TCU-Baylor-type issues from... What was that, 2013 or 2014, whenever that happened? They were both really good, and they were both left out of the playoff picture. Until and, they, yeah, and, they, until they played each other. Right. One true champion. I think right. that's part of that nonsense. That was what came from that. Uh, Louisville's solid. I, I I don't know if any team would leave where they are. Uh, I think some of the pack teams would consider it before any of the other ones. But L- Louisville, I thought, would be great when when we were first – Faced with all this With uh, Teams leaving That was when Their football program Was doing really well Teddy Bridgewater was there Charlie Strong Was still Happy (laughs) Before Before taking the job down In That was a long time ago In Austin Um, That was before uh, Patino went through All his stuff too So It Before Lamar Jackson Yeah Who's already
1: In the NFL currently
0: Right So it. I think they really had some um you know now with their basketball program kind of going through a tumultuous time they're they've lost a little bit of stock but they'll bounce right back. They're Louisville. They've got a name behind them. I, I think that's a decent add if we had to get to 12 teams if someone mandated it. So Louisville and um I'd like to I'd like Florida State <laughs> if we're just throwing stuff out there's oh there's gosh. no realistic reason that that would happen, but we'd get our foot in the door in the state of Florida. That wouldn't be bad, uh, of course. So would Texas and everybody else. But I, I think realistically, you're looking at you know Colorado or uh, one of the Arizonas, maybe. See, I,
1: one, I don't I don't think you're gonna get a previous Big Twelve member back.
0: Probably probably not. That's not realistic either. I I really don't even know where you go with this. Maybe maybe a team like Boise State. But would, see, that would be They, into they pose
1: even more travel issues than West Virginia.
0: Yeah, not not like, arguing with that. Think about that
1: that road trip for West Virginia to Boise State or Boise State to West Virginia. Yeah, but think about uh, and for baseball, yeah, For basketball. Like it's not not just for football, which you make once yeah, a just year. Just
0: all of the because basketball, Olympic sports. Well,
1: I guess if you got to a twelve team conference, you wouldn't play round robin schedules. So right, you won't, you'd you have to have some divisions. Okay, so here here's my take on this. Arkansas. One of two choices. I say you either do stay in the big, you stay in, in Texas and you get six Texas teams and six non-Texas teams and that's your division, Texas pew, versus pew, the pew, world. Pew, pew. <laughs> so I was I would say add like a Houston and then take your pick of the garbage that's left.
0: I'd right. had Houston over SMU. I even though SMU, I really don't want a Texas UNT. team, I would take Houston,
1: I guess. Yeah. Uh would probably be the first ones then SMU UTEP UTSA Rice, those are UNT know. Well no yeah Abilene, Christian
0: No 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 But then if you're Hart not Simmons. gonna do
1: if you're not gonna do that, I would either say if you want that Florida tie realistically you go either you go after either South Florida or Central Florida.
0: Yeah. That's then, true. Um
1: Florida Gulf Coast. F-A-U Owls, baby. <laughs> uh, it, see, and then if you were to do that, I wouldn't know if you if you add somebody else in that area. Like, just grab both of those Florida teams or if you get somebody else from the East Coast or more Midwestern. I don't know. My other option that I, I had fully thought out besides adding a Florida team was to grab the two Arizona
0: schools from the Pac-12. And get yeah. Arizona, Arizona State. Geographically makes... Decent sense, yeah. Not great. Not great if you're West Virginia having to go to. That's a that's a rough trip. Yeah. And vice versa, as bad as the Boise travel. Yeah, probably. it's up there. All right, guns up nation. Oh wait, he had a second. He had oh, a second part. Whoops, my bad. Also, wings baked, fried, or grilled. Okay. All right. So we've got three options here for our wings. Do you prefer baked, fried, or grilled? I'm gonna I'm gonna rank them. Um, ultimately, I do prefer. Fried wings, I think that's number one. I breaded, breaded or not fretted, I think I, I think that's the number number one way. Two grilled, for sure grilled, and then three baked. So there's there's my rankings. Where where do you stand? I, I was gonna try to make just a ridiculous like go back
1: to that uh those ranking posts of like number one fried two nothing three else matters (laughs) (laughs) right so i'm all to the end um which i kind of did that seven ketchup and ingest to uh uh don williams and his like big his ap top 25 ballot how dare he not have how dare he not include texas tech lubbock lubbock avalanche journal because if you asked mac mac ingle
0: that would have definitely been the oh, list. Oh, we had to bring we had to bring his name up, prof, so Prof Bro over there.
1: We uh no, see here is the thing is like he threw out that that
0: bait and everybody bit it hook line oh, and sinker. We all us we all included. fell for Both it. of us, both of us that you are listening to right now, he got the reaction he wanted. Yep. Um, and then played like oh that's not what I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But here is the thing, he gets like
1: evaluated on on clicks and everything. Yep. He got a ton. He did. He got quite a few. He got, he got, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say I helped. I, helped I did that. too. Not, not my proudest. Baked wings, if you're in a pinch, I guess they're okay. I've, I've had them. We've made them. I've never, know? yeah, I have too. I've never had grilled wings. I, I would assume smoked is pretty good.
0: Yeah. I, I'm putting smoked in that category because that's how I'm we just, do them now. Yeah. Fried or really nothing. Yeah. Fried's, fried's so good.
1: Speaking of fried though, hold on. We didn't really talk about our trip to Jones Cafe.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. That's what we should have talked about. Because we went on Friday, and we didn't have a game. on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I cracked him up. He's laughing so, so hard, he fell out of his chair. Okay. No, okay, that's not what happened.
1: So, a friend of mine is actually the the short order cook there, a chef. I don't know how you, his official title. Mm-hmm. Colin Brown, shout out to this, this man.
0: Frying some some goodness up for us. He was the mastermind behind our appetizer: bacon wrapped fried cheese. Yes, he he kind of took a he 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 looked like he or he seemed like he took the approach of just, well, shoot, let's try it and see if it works. And they they and experimented it with it and it does work. If <laughs> if they fall apart a little bit, but they do hold up pretty well and they taste great. And the batter that he uses on that is. It's more of like a chicken fried steak batter. It's, it's not the
1: crumbly batter you usually no. get with the cheese stick. The, the, with that, and when I want to say crumbly. I mean, like it actually has little crumb balls or whatever. This was like sheets. Yeah, it was you, so good.
0: You 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 would uh, tenderize a some ground round and dip it in this batter and chicken fry it, and you wouldn't know the difference. It's it's the batter itself is flavored really well too. So I. That was great. Then we went on to hot dogs, and I think all of their hot dogs are bacon-wrapped. Or Just at least about. The, at least the two we got were bacon-wrapped. So you got the bloat dog. Yeah, bacon, lettuce, onion, avocado, tomato, and then it was also topped with chili and cheese because why not? It was great. No regrets. So when I was looking at the menu, I, I was like, well, if I don't get a chili
1: and cheese on my dog, I want chili and cheese on my fries. I ended the menu was slightly different than I was expecting. I ended up getting a chili cheese dog, the touchdown dog, mm-hmm. also had bacon on it. Solid, fantastic, and then we 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 split. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're so
0: we have to try everything. It, it, it was a date, you guys. Yeah, it was a nice little lunch date.
1: We split an order of chili cheese fries. So they're waffle chili fries. chili cheese
0: waffle fries. Yeah, yeah, waffle fries. They were seasoned. Fantastic. Yep. And so if you're if you're on the southwest part of Lubbock. And you need a lunch spot. Formerly known as the Chili Dog Cafe,
1: they're now the Jones Cafe. Yep. They specialize in basically all things fried and hot dogs. This is not some place you can go often. <laughs> but they do so. They, they they do have live music. They do have some adult beverage options.
0: Yeah, they have some drink specials, different things throughout the week. But if you're there for the food, you have to pace yourself.
1: Otherwise, your cardiologist isn't gonna. Shut you down? He's it's gonna, totally worth it. He's gonna take your credit card.
0: Yeah, from you. I mean, it, it is totally worth it, but it's it's definitely a place where you just you treat yourself. That was not on Brian's list of restaurants he would have to try when he comes back.
1: <laughs> All right, sorry, Guns Up Nation. Which stat do you think suggests improvement on defense at Texas Tech? I'm gonna go points allowed because we I I tweeted this out on the way to lunch on Friday. The Texas Tech defense is allowing 28 points a game this this season. You know where, where they were last year? They were at what 30? What did you say it was? I think it was sorry, 34 or 38. That sounds right. Season before that, they were over 40. So 28 points a game. If you're if you only give up 28 points in this league, with as good as your offense is, you're going to win more games than not.
2: And Very that's, true. that's
1: a that's a big. I mean, a touchdown difference in one season is a big difference it's a big
0: deal well because that was always the i think that was the thing that people like to point out in their posts about how bad Texas defense was was that they you know the offense they're capable of scoring 44 points but texas defense would give up 40 averaged like 43 <laughs> a game or 45 or, or it was just something very neck and neck so that's a good one uh it, Guns Up Nation, they continue to say. Do you think it's the turnovers force last year, or second in the Big Twelve on third down defense this year? And that, I didn't know
1: that. That's a big. I think they're they're only their third down defense. I think is
0: forty percent. I didn't know that. I I think that's a really big improvement because I I remember just you couldn't stop anybody in third. No, down. No, third down was just third and nine, third and twelve, third and one. It didn't matter they were going to get it or they weren't going to get it, but we were going You'd to have a penalty, penalty. <laughs> and they would get it that way. So just from a game watching standpoint, I think that third down defensive rate is probably the biggest improvement or sneaks, suggests some of the biggest improvement.
1: It, it sneaks up on you. Cause when, when you go back and load a game, you're like, Okay, you forced seven punts in that yeah. game against TC. Like that's right. Was not keeping tally of that during the game. It was like that's a lot of punts. It just seemed you know you, that's obviously seven drives ended with them like uh, oh, we're gonna punt it right.
0: And because you stopped someone on third down, so there's at least
1: far enough away seven times they, right there that they didn't attempt a field goal or go for it on fourth down.
0: Yeah, you didn't let them get across their their own forty, basically. So that's big the turnovers
1: obviously it's quite a bit lower than it was last season uh the thing that I, I think really correlates back to that is is your your defensive points allowed per game while you're not forcing as many turnovers you're essentially taking you're giving your offense one more possession or one more chance in effectiveness by saying okay you don't have to score 35 to win a
0: game you have to score 28 right that's a Huge difference, and it's, it's and, a full touchdown difference. And turnovers, as people have pointed out, that's not a game plan. That's Which, not.
1: That's what Brian says. That's too. what everyone. Yeah, it's it, like
0: you listen to the interview. That's <laughs> that's not that's not a game plan, and that's not what you're. You're not constantly coaching guys to to do that. You're more concerned about getting the ball carrier down as opposed to getting the ball out. A lot of it's just. I don't want to say luck, but that's what a lot of it seems to well,
1: be recovering a fumble it has almost everything to do with luck
0: it, yeah just where are you where are you where did the ball go how did it bounce
1: because that one that you didn't recover against tcu where the ball bounced on the player that was laying out of bounds oh yeah
0: like because the ball one out of out of bounce butt fumble or <laughs>
1: one because that ball like just jumped into coleman's arms right and he mm-hmm. didn't he didn't recover it on that dropped it and then everybody fell on it but he fell on a player that was out of bounds that had everything to do with luck and not your skill. Right? Of course not. Forcing yeah, forcing the fumble was more the skill. Catching an interception is as part of skill. Um, recovering a fumble or catching a tipped pass is more of right. Luck. That's just kind of right place, right time. Okay, one more question. We're going a little long. Tyler Timmons, what percent chance do you give that Bowman play Saturday? Plays. If he's not gonna start i I don't think he's gonna play, and I don't think he starts, so i'm gonna say zero or, i'm gonna say zero because here's the thing we, we, I guess we touched on this last week. I don't think you need him to win this game, and you definitely want him a hundred percent, which is what Kingsbury said recently. You want him a hundred percent before you, you put him out there. you don't want you don't wanna chance any re injury or aggravation of that injury. You don't want to set him back because the following week, going to Iowa State. You're gonna need your best opportunity to win. If that's Bowman, then you need him ready to go. If he gets injured this weekend against Kansas in garbage time, really gonna put some pressure on Jet Duffy
0: and, well, and, and Cliff and Kingsbury. <laughs> yeah, because there's then there's gonna be a lot of why did you have your, you know, why did you have your quarterback who had a partially collapsed lung three weeks ago out there because yeah up if, 31 to 14
1: if this season doesn't if something happens, this season doesn't go as we're kind of thinking it might the rest of the way. And Kingsbury's job security is called into question how he handles this quarterback situation is going to play a big part of it. If he throws Bowman out there and it backfires, that's going to be a huge mark against him. Right. Well, and, but if he, like if, if he ends up with the same win loss total that he would, that would call his job security into question, but didn't play Bowman. There's a little bit of he had to play three different quarterbacks. I think we can understand that he didn't put them in in jeopardy. Whereas you you may, may be able to say that with McLean Carter, but he's not your only quarterback you can win a game with.
0: Well, and that's that's where we get to. Uh, and I didn't really realize this, but Seth had this on the morning stake on Monday. We kind of transcribed uh, uh, some interviews with uh, Kingsbury, and he said, this is from Seth's post, he said there's a few things I wanted to point out, namely that Kingsbury thought that McLean Carter would be able to go at quarterback, and after a few plays it was obviously obvious that he couldn't play. Kingsbury said that he and Carter need to have better communication. So he kind of, he, he didn't really blame Carter, but he you could tell he was upset with him for him to, for him to, Word things that way, in a public, you know, a public forum, because Kingsbury likes to keep stuff kind of close. You can read into that a little bit. So he, I think he's going to be very cautious with Bowman, um, uh, based off of what just happened with Carter, with that one series where, like you, like everyone saw, he, he the kid couldn't move, and it was you know, it's not his fault necessarily. He's still hurt, but he must have been telling. Kingsbury was good to go, and Kingsbury because, yeah. trusted him because he was a quarterback too, and when he said he was good to go, he was good to go. And I'm, I'm sure he kind of leans that way a little bit. He trusts his guys as much as he can. Yeah, because we saw at
1: the end of the first half in the TCU game, he was on the sideline talking to, uh, to McLean Carter. Yeah. Having that conversation, are you ready to go? In, in case we do this, are you ready to go? Yep. All right, going yard. Have an update on the fence. Oh, did you get it open? No. Or did, Wait. No, no, you got it, it open. It, here's the update. Nothing has changed.
0: <laughs> the update is there is no update. The, the gate update is, is, firmly, is firmly open and not closing completely. Yes. So if you know where the 23 personnel HQ South is
1: located, you can get into our backyard. You, you can get all the way through our backyard. Sure, obviously. yeah. Uh, most days we leave the doggy door open so the dog can go outside. Not big enough for a, a, a grown human to get through. She, she's a small dog. But a little disappointed in the warranty team because one they said no that's not really our deal whereas I've heard other builders kind of take on that warranty Which, the other thing, is, other thing is I asked him was like, if it's not you then who is it he said it's not it's not usually us but I will get out there and, and shave off part of the fence for you not yet has not showed up it's been almost two weeks now my gate probably be here tomorrow no I'm gonna have to email him again <laughs> Also, this this weather, I'm really looking forward to because it it's
0: just cold enough that the Bermuda's gonna check out. It's gonna go dormant. Oh my gosh, my grass is it had checked out before this cold weather hit. It's gonna look pretty hideous. My fescue's gonna be, I know the the one so pristine for the Halloween. one thing. And you you may notice because you notice these type of things. But I was telling Adam the other day, I he's in Burleson, so he's stuck mowing a little bit later than than probably we will be or i will be anyway and I, I told him i thought man i am just gonna do everything in my power to only mow one more time this year i, I said it may just look like complete trash the bermuda may be hanging over the curb i don't know but i want to we'll just edge it i just want to mow and edge one more time this year because I, I remember mowing a couple of times in november before and it was just the whole time i was out there i was just like this is so dumb <laughs> Why am I mowing See, in November? I, this is terrible. I love to mow. It's fine. I you know I I, I enjoy it for week. what it is. But at the end of the season, I am ready to wrap it up, put some fuel additive in that gas, and just let it sit there till March or April. So uh, I'm I'm hoping to hold it out. This is like no mow October, <laughs> and then maybe Halloweenish I can. I'll, I'll mow weeks. it for the last time. Two yeah, weeks. I, I, I would love to get another freeze. I'd love to get one more freeze before I <laughs> before I mow it. Well, so we'll see. The
1: next actual freeze will definitely send all the Bermuda into dormancy.
0: Exactly. So I, I want just one more. And if okay, so maybe I do have to wait to November, but at least it won't be because I did it too soon. It'll be because I waited, to, <laughs> to, probably a little bit too late. All right. Last thing, what do we
1: learn, Michael? I, I think you said you had something specific to talk about here. Yeah,
0: I have a quick thing. I I, I learned that um, my friend Chad, who was part of the Hub City Cookoff Barbecue Judging Team last Thursday, it's as prestigious as it sounds. Go ahead and Google so it. So jealous. Yeah, he was uh, he was part of that. He said that he is going to do what he can to try to get me on that judging team next year so i am going to start start my campaign officially on thursday on Staking in the plains with my weekly eats and bounds post to try to get that ball rolling so if you know anybody at the lubbock chamber tell them we do tell them that i need He's we a do question submitter we do kyle yeah kyle. okay kyle if you're listening yeah i may have to We've tag a couple of i may have to tag him <laughs> uh so I, I'm I'm putting my resume out there officially Thursday. I'm announcing my candidacy for Hub City Barbecue 2019 Judge, and I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna slow play this and go for 2020 Judge. Oh man! So it'll be like a panel of Chad, Michael, and myself. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Slow. We'll slowly take it over. The other thing. So the thing I learned. Sorry. I, no, I'm good. Go for okay. it. Okay. I just, just jumped right in. Yeah. Jump in. We're ready to wrap this thing up. <laughs> if you know your cook at a, at a food restaurant, they're going to take care of you. No kidding. We, 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 I'm just going back to the Jones cafe experience. We, uh, we had some good stuff there. We did. I had a good conversation with Colin. That's, that's how I, we found out that the bacon wrap fried cheese was actually his invention. Brainchild. His brainchild. Um, he actually specifically called out Spanky's, and I'm going to do it right here, too, because uh, he said they, they claim to have the best fried cheese in Lubbock, and I was like, you know what? I think they're wrong.
0: I think so, too. As much as I like Spanky's fried cheese, and I do. It's good,
1: but it doesn't have bacon.
0: It doesn't have bacon around it, and the batter's not as good. Best fried I, I, And bigger's not always better. I have learned where the best fried cheese in Lubbock is.
1: It's an 82nd Frankfurt. It's, a, it's at the Jones Cafe. Yes, sir. All right. want to thank Brian again for joining us. want to thank Michael for hosting us here. Thanks again for listening to 23 Personnel Podcast.